Welcome to On Point. I am your host, Richard Sanvenero, and with us today is Joe Santarelli. And Joe is running for school board district number five. That's correct. Welcome, Joe. Well, thank you, Rich. I'm glad to be here and uh, be able to sit and talk with you a little bit. Well, let's start off with our viewers want to know, who is Joe Santarelli? That's that a great question, Richie. Well, uh, I'll tell you a little bit about my background. I grew up in Midwest, Illinois, Joliet, right outside Chicago, in, in a little bit tougher neighborhood. Uh, grew up there, uh, learned a, a lot about how to get along with others and uh, of all races. We lived in a very mixed neighborhood. Uh, had friends of all colors and just found out how to judge people by character more than anything else and that, that's gone a long way with me. Um, 24, when I married my wife, Christy, my life changed. That's when I got called into ministry and everything changed for me. From that point on, I started pursuing ministry instead of construction. I grew up in a construction background. My dad was a carpenter, my uncles were carpenters, my cousins were carpenters. So we grew up in that trade. Uh, broke away from that to pursue ministry. Uh, moved to Iowa for three years, trained there, and then we transferred down to uh, Florida where I graduated from Trinity College with honors and then went on to get my master's at SEBTS. Uh, started a family while we're in Iowa. I have six children, so I'm a father, a husband, a pastor, a Hillside Community Baptist Church where I've been uh, privileged to be there 18 years now. We just completed our new sanctuary and are very, very excited to be in there and worshiping and, and do more ministry. Uh, you know, part of that, what we do, uh, we have our sports program we do for children. Uh, we're targeting uh, grade school, would like to go up another grade with that to junior high. But we just want to put a top-notch sports program together for them. That's $60 for a whole season. They come out, we give all their t-shirts, insurance, all the equipment, everything's provided for them. We just want them to come out, enjoy themselves, and have fun. So uh, really, really passionate about making sure children uh, just enjoy life. And, and we've got to do what we can to maintain our innocence as long as we can and just let them enjoy life and be kids and have fun and, and make memories and, and just have these fond memories. I don't know about you, but I grew up playing baseball on the street and all those things. Just have a lot of fun memories, just staying out until dark and, and just loving life and, and having that innocence. And What and did we do before cell phones? Wow, I, I think we explored our whole world. <laughs> Absolutely. And could never be found. And you had to make sure you were home before Dad came home. Absolutely. Uh, we, we, we had to be home before dark. The uh, that's, I know you're doing a lot, you've been doing a lot with our community. Yes, sir. And also with the uh, youth of the community that you are a part of, District 5. Yes. Uh, can you elaborate a little bit on detail of what uh, your programs you've been involved with and, and uh, giving your time uh, to the benefit of our future, which is our children? Yep, we, we've made it a point to make sure to reach out to kids in our community. We, you know, if we're, we're located it's right across from Eastside Elementary. So that's been our, our school closest to us, although we've done things from Moton and uh, that as well. But Eastside has been a school we've been working with since uh, for, oh, for the past 18 years, actually. I remember when we first, I first got there, went over to meet the principal. Mr. Finney was there and got to know him, uh, tried to do some things, and we did. Matter of fact, we held some parties for all the kids. We did a Valentine's party. We did a Christmas party where we bring in a puppet show, gifts for everyone that came. And we just wanted to, to show you know some love and reach out to them and, and have them enjoy their, their time there. Uh, we have started clubs. We do Club Joy at Eastside right now. We've done it for the past four years. 
where we go in there on a weekly basis. We set up, we do games with the kids, we have coloring sheets, they sing songs, we have teaching lessons for them, they win prizes, and we just want to make it the best day of the week. Our goal is when we go over there, we want to make sure Wednesday is the best day of their week, right in the middle of the week, and, and just help them any way we can. And every year we've done it, we've had a waiting list that people who want to come in, but we can only accommodate so many uh, based on the space that we have available to us. So there's always a waiting list. So we're going to launch into Moton. I talked with uh, Principal Galstead. He was open to us starting a club there as well. So if we can do one at Moton and one at Eastside, that would be great. I understand they already have a club over at Brooksville Elementary, but we'd like to, our grade schoolers to have these clubs available to them that anyone would like to to stay after school and have those types of programs with them where they're going to be you know, just loved and encouraged. And believe it or not, we, we've seen some of the, the students' behavior change in a classroom based on uh, the clubs after school, just knowing that people really care for them and want to help them. The question I have for that, what type of club is Is it a religious club? Or is it, it is. that okay. We've sent out forms to all the kids. We call it Club Joy. It's Jesus, yourselves or Jesus, Others, Yourself is what Club Joy stands for. And we do, we have the Teaching from Lifeway, we bring in a great video segment, the songs are amazing. Uh, so we come in, bring the teaching with them, I teach them the core basics of, of the Bible. And if they want to join, they can, they have to fill out a permission slip. And once again, that's all free, we don't charge for anything with that. We provide all snacks, all the games, all the coloring sheets, everything is at our cost. The some people will say, the, what is that with the separation of church and state and schools? Sure. So, what is... Yeah, we would never do that during the school hours. That, that's where I think the separation comes from. As far as us going in and doing anything inside the school system, we would do after-school clubs that are definitely allowed and if they would like to come and participate. Uh, the students themselves can express their religious beliefs inside the classroom within reason. And we know that's uh, available to them. And what we would do is, is encourage them. I mean, if, um, if I wanted my children to you know, acknowledge their faith, pray before their meals, do anything of that nature, we, we would want that to be open for them. I know not everyone's going to believe the same way that we do, but we want to reach out to those who do, encourage them that they have the right to do that, to express their faith once again within reason. Uh, just because you're a believer doesn't mean you have to put your beliefs off while you go to school and pick them back up when you leave. That, I don't think that's the case. So we would be very open to, to children expressing you know, their, their religious belief systems within reason. Okay. Uh, what is inspiring you to jump in the race from all that you've yeah. been doing that there's a need for Joe Santarelli to say, I, I need to put my candidacy in for school board district five yes because i'm going to do well it started i tell everyone at the board meeting how that board meeting not the results of the board meeting but how it was done it really did aggravate me and i thought well that i just didn't like the way that was done at all and i decided at that point i was going to do something i didn't know what i could do i found out that uh, in district five there was no one running against uh, my opponent who's an incumbent so I, I, first of all, and I saw that opportunity, I had a quote from Edmund Burke, kept coming to my mind also. Usually God uses scripture to speak to me and do things, but this time Edmund Burke, the quote just kept coming to my mind. All it takes for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. And I thought, you can sit there and complain, or you can do something about it. 
uh, I, I chose to do something about it. First, I went and spoke to my wife, and I sat down with her and said, Honey, this is what I think I would like to do. I think the Lord's leading me this direction. And she gave me the favor on it. She said, Go ahead and do it. I said, Well, it's going to take all of our savings to, to go ahead now because I can't. Uh, I don't have time to get the petitions. That's already over, so this is what it's going to cost. She, she was in favor. She had plans for that money, but she was in favor of doing that. Next, I went to the church. I said, church, I got my leadership team together and said, this is, this is what I, I feel like I'd like to do. I want your opinion on it. And when they gave me 100% uh, confident bonus, I said, pastor, absolutely, we, we think you should do that. We'll pick up whatever slack you need. We'll do whatever has to be done. I let them know the hardest part, I believe, is going to be during campaigning. The next uh, eight weeks or ten weeks, how much ever we had, I'll have to be out a lot talking to people, meeting people, being at places. And they gave me their blessing with that. And, and with my wife saying yes and the church saying yes, uh, I figured that it was uh, absolutely I'm all in. Well, that's great. The uh, Again, I know in the position you have now, you have definitely interaction with the young students of your congregation yes. plus who's ever in the after-school program Absolutely. that you're running. Different now, fast forward, that if you become the another school board member, the newest member of the school board, your, your interaction basically is, is your role as a school board member mm -hmm. is not specifically to directly to the student. It'll be basically to make sure that whatever the policies are voted on yes. from our school board, that our future uh, superintendent of schools here in Hernando County would be following them. That's correct. With the school board would be a, I would say, another role or an additional role because quite honestly I still plan on going serving like I've been doing in the community uh, and the school board would be another way I, I could help with the students and with the teachers and with the other staff. It doesn't matter if it's custodians, bus drivers, whoever that is. Uh, what's been great about this, I've had a chance to sit and talk with people and just listen to some of their concerns. That, that's been incredible. And most of the times, if you take time to listen to people who are in the positions already serving them, they have some great ideas how to fix some things that need to be done. They just need someone to listen to them and, and do something about it. Uh, one of those listening to students, what was interesting, I was at a, a meet and greet at Chick-fil-A and there was a couple girls going their senior year. I sat and talked with them for a little bit and I just um, said, girls, well, you know, what what you doing senior year? Asked them some questions and how school was going. And they said, well, it's fine, it's this, it's going well. I said, what is really, what's, what's it really like? And that's when they just opened up and no prodding, no, in, no none of that. They said, our bathrooms are horrible. And I said, what do you mean your bathrooms are horrible? She said, you, you can't even lock the stalls. And her friend's like, no, you can't. I said, what do you mean you can't lock the stalls? She said, there's no, there's no lever, you can't lock them. I said, well, what do you do? She said, we have to hold them shut with our foot. I said, well, you're in the bathroom, you have to hold the door shut with your foot? She said, yes. I said, well, that's kind of disgusting because now everything on the floor is on a door. She said, exactly. I said, okay. So that's it. She says, no, now this, when you go out, only one of the sinks work. I got to say, times work. have not changed, Joe. <laughs> Because <laughs> schools in New York, you know, believe it or not, I did grow up in New York. What were you doing in girls' restroom in New York? No, in the men, in the in the boys' room. The boys' room. Okay. Had, none of the stalls were open in those days. You know, those days, even in grammar school, uh, a lot of stuff was not. Uh, listen, a lot of traffic not kept and, up with. and not kept up with. So okay. things have not changed in that. Other other than that, you'll now tell you. I'm sure you'll find the kids in the, in the bathrooms with their uh, cell phones. And we didn't have cell phones way back when. No, no, that's good. Could it be an invasion of privacy with that? 
Well, just talking with them, finding out some of the things that could be done um, with only one sink working, those that were there. I said, what do you mean only one sink is working? She said, they don't turn on. Only one does. And most of the time, there's no soap. I say, you've got to hold the door shut with your foot. You, you've got to try to find a sink if you can with soap. She said, exactly. I said, what do you girls do about it? She said, well, we signed a petition. I said, well, what happened? Nothing. So I made them a promise. I said, if you give me that petition, I promise you it'll get attention. So let's just take that as an example. That's yes. a great example. You're, Joe Santarelli, you are a school board member. Mm -hmm. You just got that. What is your next move? I would get that petition and take it to the superintendent and said, this is something you probably need to look at. There's some serious needs here, concerns. Some of it's safety, some of it's health. Let's see, because how much is it to change a door or lock on a door? Less than five bucks. That could be done. There are simple things that could be done, but if the students have some legitimate concerns, which I think they do in this case, and you address the legitimate concerns, you improve the morale, they are now more respectful, they know that people are listening to them, they want to help. Most of the times when I've dealt with children, if you listen to them and show them you genuinely care, you earn their respect and they want to do better. And if we want a positive response, then, then we, we've got to do, do our part as well. It doesn't mean they dictate to us what needs to be done. We, we still set the rules, we, we have the regulations, we have things that they have to do, uh, mandates they have to follow but they will follow someone they respect that knows they care for them, and, and that makes all the difference in the world to me. So leading by example. You lead by example, and, and you really, really do show that you care, and when they know that you care, they, they want someone to care about them. They really do. They want to know that they're special. They want to know they have value, and, and I, I do. I believe each child is made in the image of God, and for that reason alone, they have value, and, and we need to treat them with value. Well, every human being definitely has value. Another, I know, topic of a lot, of a lot of our viewers would say, the difference between the regular public schools, mm -hmm. then you have the charter schools, and then you have the potential vouchers. Can yes. you elaborate on any, any or all three of those scenarios? Well, when you look at those, I, I think the parents are the primary educators. They are. They're the first educators, so they have a say-so in the education. If you bring the vouchers in, if that's you know, made to they can use them. It's really the parent's choice. Where do you want your child to be educated at? Most of the parents are going to want the top-notch education for them if they can put them in the best schools with them, which I think is fantastic. The way the schools are set up right now, in the districts, you have to go to that school in that district, which may or may not be the best opportunity for the children, depending on uh, their needs, how bright they are, what they're, they're doing themselves. So I, I, would, I would be open to the voucher system, I really would, if the parents have a say-so in education. You have the charter schools also that they would have to apply for, and they do, and if they get in, they, they can attend those schools as well, understanding that the, the buses don't run for them there. You have to get your children to the charter schools, and you have to do some other things. And, and I'm open to that, but I really go back to, I, I think the parents have a say-so in the education of their children where they would like them to attend if you bring the voucher system in. If we're going to go just by districts and that's where they attend, then I would say the parents still need to be very active in their parents, their children's education and meet with the teachers and have conversations with them and just build a relationship to know what's going on, to, to know what's going on inside the school and yeah. how their children are doing, not just at the parent-teacher meetings. I think uh, most 
adults um, with kids in school, young, young adults in school, uh, support them to some degree. Uh, as, as a parent, no matter where you live, we want the best for our kids. Absolutely. And we would want our school district, whether you live in five, one, three, four, to be the same. Not that in area one the schools might be better. Is that your thought as well, that there should be the same level to our kids no matter where you come from? Because that is our future, is our kids today. You, you would hope that every school would be a school. You would hope that. Uh, unfortunately, that's not the case. And depending, once again, on the criteria, what's going on inside the school, the morale inside the school system, all that, all that makes a, a huge difference. I just say I, I can see the difference in Eastside Elementary from four years ago to now because we've been there every week for four years, at least once a week, sometimes multiple times a week. While I've been there, I sat on the SAC committee with them. I've helped uh, provide leadership as much as I can in, in those areas. And to see the morale change from an F school to an A school and the students trying and everything they've done, the whole morale has changed. and and. They can make a difference. Every school you choose to make a difference. It's the same place in your work environment. I've been in places where the work environment morale has been very low. Other times have been very high. And it's usually been on the leadership and how they have led and what they've done to encourage those underneath them. I believe in servant leadership, that you, you go and you serve and you help those underneath you. You want to empower those around you to do your very, very best. I hate micromanaging. I don't like it. I think if you've hired someone or you've trained someone to do a position, you, you let them do their job. You help them when they need it, and if you see that they're struggling, you come along and encourage them. Um, but really, to let them do the very best, I, I think that that would be very, very helpful. What are your thoughts on busing, redistricting, and you know, w with the busing part of it, a lot of students have to leave an hour and a half before school yes. starts wherever they may live in order to get to their school and, and does the school locations of new schools being built or proposed schools do you think it should be better planned to be in a more um, area that students could possibly not have to be bused? You know there's a lot of money based just on the busing to begin with uh, there really is when you look at that um, with the busing, I think absolutely, is it needed? It is needed. It is needed. And our bus drivers do a fantastic job with that. Uh, the question overall, should they be in other locations where the people wouldn't have to be bused? Or I, I know what I, happens when I wake up. I wake up early on a regular basis, and when I'm leaving my house, I'm surprised that sometimes at 6 or right before 6, I see kids standing outside in the dark waiting to catch a bus. I'm thinking, this, what in the world? Why do they have to be out this early? Yeah. Well, they don't want to miss a bus. Now, understand that in the neighborhood we live in, we've had several students that they come over our house, they hang out, we have a lot of, our, our house is a neighborhood house with all the kids. We play and have the games and popsicles and whatever, the pizza rolls, we have that for them. Uh, there have been times I've had students knock on our door in the morning, say, Pastor, I missed a bus, could you please give me a ride? Absolutely, we're gonna give them a ride, we're gonna give them to school and that. But they shouldn't have to be out there at 6 o'clock in the morning when it's still dark out waiting for a bus. And what if there's no cover? In our area, there's not bus stops. So if you're standing out in the rain, then you're waiting in the rain. And you hope it's just there's got to be a better solution overall to that. 
Uh, I know that all of our kids in District 5, when they go to middle school, have to go to Powell, which is another district from us. And that's one of the reasons I, I'm in favor of a K-8 over on our side of the school. So we don't have to bus them uh, clear across or another part of the county where they don't have to be out quite that early waiting and hoping they don't miss the bus, trying to get breakfast, trying to get up. And I don't know, but I have six kids, so I imagine waking up and getting everyone ready uh, is enough trouble on its own. How long is that travel on an average from where you are in District 5 to where you said Powell Middle School? We have some of our church members that have their kids going to Powell. It takes them over an hour each way. So over an hour in the morning, over an hour in the afternoon to go on the bus, ride the bus, come back home. So two hours a day is just transportation. Amazing. The, uh, what is your thoughts on schools in the future that could be built or retrofitted to house pools? Pools. Swimming pools. I would like one at my house, Richie. Okay. So, I will schools, get with you later on with a contract and we'll be putting one in for you. But it will not be an Olympic pool. I, I think we ought to have things like that in school. I mean, at least, um, I, I don't say one in every district. I think that would, would have an astronomical price tag with it. But we ought to have one available. As I understand right now, we're using YMCA to do all our training. It means the kids have to go out extremely early uh, to get in there before everyone else is and train. If you're going to have a swimming team, then you probably need a pool to practice in or a place to do that. Um, you know, you, we have football fields, we have baseball fields, we have all these other fields, soccer fields, the sports that we play right there available to us. I would hope that in the future we can do that. If you're going to have a swimming team, if you're going to have that, and if you want them to excel, then you need to have it available to the students for their use. We'd like to see that come about in this county. Uh, a lot of schools do not have the old auditoriums. I don't even know if they need them anymore, but they're getting away from auditoriums and they're meeting in the cafeteria. What is your thoughts on that? You mean gatherings just to meet in the cafeteria? They're using the cafeteria as a dual cafeteria slash auditorium. Well, you know, I would have to look at it. Every auditorium is going to be a little bit different than cafeteria. The cafeterias I've been in, the acoustics have really been horrible. Uh, so. Uh, compared to auditorium where it's designed for sound to transport sound, uh, I think that's a, a much better area. Now, I don't know how big the cafeteria areas are in each school. I don't know that. Um, so I would say I, would, I like the auditoriums. I like the arts. I, I would like those to, to be available to us. I understand that cutting back at some point saying we can use this as a dual room. But then if you're going to use it there, then you really have to have it where the acoustics are built for sound also, uh, with the sound panels all around, the setup for it. So you're really designing an auditorium that kids eat in, is what you're telling me that they should be setting up. It ought to be a, a dine-in auditorium, because you, you still have to have the acoustics right. If you're going to have speakers there on a, a regular basis, if you're going to have plays, if you're going to have all these other things, rallies, then it's got to be you know, conducive to sound. One of the biggest things in the past five to ten years now has been the bully, bullying yes. uh, situation throughout all schools and even in private sector. Yeah. Uh, what is your thoughts on that, and how do you, how would you um, look at into it? How to correct it or stop it or curtail it? Sure. Well, you start where you can. One of the areas I think we need to start is on our buses. I think one of the places that bullying takes place, 
when the bus driver is driving and, and keeping focus on a road and getting all these children to the school safely, they can't discipline either. I mean, they can look up and see what's going on and say, hey, Johnny, you need to sit down and stop that. Well, if Johnny doesn't, what's going to happen? You're going to turn him into school, you're going to write his name down, and if Johnny knows he's going to get away with it, Johnny's going to keep doing it. Um, I apologize to all the Johns out there, but I had a bully named John. Anyway, uh, what I would like to see happen, Richie, is for us to start looking at ways to put veterans and other people that have been trained, especially those that have been trained, to ride, just ride on the bus and supervise it while the bus driver's driving. And if someone acts up, the bus drivers I've talked to, they are in favor of that. Uh, there's usually, they say, one or two, maybe three kids that cause most of the disruptions. Well, if you have someone just sitting back there, if someone acts up and they get warned, say you need to sit down, and especially if you start putting seatbelts in the buses, who's going to make sure they're wearing seatbelts? Who's going to mandate that? Pasco County, they're doing it now. So who's going to take care of that? You need someone else to be able to at least come look at it, make sure everyone's behaving. Um, you warn them once a second time. After, after you get warned a second time, you, you don't get three strikes. That's it. It's a privilege to ride the bus. It's, it's not your right. It's a privilege. If you don't want to ride the bus and you want your parents to take you to school, you act up a couple times and we can make that happen. And part of what the teachers are dealing with now is the disciplinary issues of the students getting out of hand. If the students know they can get away with it, they're going to keep on doing it. Uh, and there's got to be a form in there with the bullying in particular. It comes down to a lack of disrespect across the board for your teachers, for your principals, for the bus driver, for anyone, that there needs to be a healthy respect. Uh, you know, I, I, I thrive under authority. I think we ought to respect authority. It's a place there by God, and we need to follow that. So with the bullying, once again, the students that are in violation of that, I understand that they're minors, and, and, but there has to be some steps that you can take to make sure that they don't do that. And I don't know that just giving them a out-of-school out suspension is going to help them any. If they had to do community service hours, if they had to do other things when they get caught bullying, if they had to pay back society and do some programs to, to show you know, that you know, I've learned my lesson, that's fine. Be, and I understand that in school hours and out of school hours with the relationship they have is a total different dynamic also. After school, the school really has no say so what goes on between interaction with, with students. That's where a lot of it takes place on that's, social media. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what was my next question going yes. to. The problem seems to be after school hours in the social media, Correct. which now you're out of school, off school property. Mm -hmm. What and do do? part of the parents have to really watch and see what's going on. I can tell you, I, I, with my children, um, some of them have phones, some of them do not. With a, my one son, I say, hey, let me see your phone. Any given day, I can say, let me see your phone. I can look at it, I can open up, I can go through it and see what he's talking about, see what he's doing. And if I don't like it, I say, this is going to end. We have to be responsible parents also. We, buy, we can't just buy our kids a phone, turn it over to them and say, there you go, do anything you want. If I ever came across my son's phone and found out he was bullying someone else, he'd lose the phone. That's a privilege, too. It's not their God-given right. If you don't know how to use it, you don't need to have it. And if you are being mean or cruel uh, to other students with this, then you really don't need it. You can earn it back, but I, I would take it away from my, my child if I found they were doing anything that I thought crossed the line as far as bullying other people with that. You know, a lot of it... There's a lot of peer pressure because 
everybody has a different phone, same phone, the best sneakers, which brings me to the very next question. Yes. And, it, and I understand everybody wants to be uh, express themselves, as sure. they say. What is your thoughts on uniform? Well, when you go to uniforms, you can, and I've, I've taught in schools that they had uniforms even there, believe it or not. Um, you buy a certain shirt by a certain maker, and there's still the status, the status symbols with it. Oh, they have this designer blue shirt instead of, oh, you got the one from Walmart shirt. So even when you go to uniforms, uh, it depends if you're just doing polos and, and khakis or whatever colors you choose. Unless you're going to do actual uniforms that you can only buy them one place, you know, I don't know what you're going to do with um, the cost with that involved families and put another burden on them. I, I'm not opposed to uniforms, but well, it would is you, a cost. Would you think that if you had a uniform, but I'll give it say you used Walmart as an example. Yep. Uh, not a designer, but quality, quality yes. uniform. Don't you think that each household would spend less money, not more, in, in the fact that their children will not have to buy the, whatever it is for for the, the for the school, they'll already have their outfit, which will set a l more of a level playing field on the students. You you would think that would be true. That's just your school uniform. It's not the clothes they're going to wear on top of that. So when they get home from school, they're still going to wear the same clothes they want to, designer clothes, whatever. So I, I think they're going to buy that. And uh, I, I don't think it's going to save them that much money. I think they'll be buying the clothes their children want and uh, you know I think sometimes in this age we cater to our children a little bit too much um, in, in, in what they want and in, in, in light of, of what we uh, can afford or, or living beyond our means to get them what they want. So uniforms yay or nay as far as your... your I'm concern. not opposed to them I think they look very good in the school system I think they're they're very helpful that way you know the dress code if you're going to set a dress code then you have to use uniforms almost certainly. So. I would go back to you. Is yep. a yay or a nay as far as your opinion, Joe Santarelli running for the school board, District 5, would you be in favor or opposed? If that came up for a vote, would you be in favor of that or against it? I would probably be in favor of that with uniforms, probably, um, based on the dress code. If we want them to dress a certain way, a professional way, if we're preparing them, then then we're dictating their standards to them with a dress code. If that's what we want, then I'd be in favor of that. Now, quite frankly, I've seen the way some young people dress. I'm not in favor of how they dress. So uh, if it came up for vote, um, just based on that, I would probably be in favor of the uniforms. Okay. Next question, very, very important. Politics in schools. Pro no. or against? <laughs> I, I'm against that. I think what happened, which should be taking place in our school is education of our young people. Yes. That's what ought to be taken. When, when I say education, really helping them excel because I think we're, we're preparing our children for greatness. We really are. That's part of what uh, is on my, my posters and cards. You'll see that, that we're equipping our facilities and faculty to prepare our children for greatness. And, and the bottom line is we're trying to get our children educated to be productive city citizens in this life, to live productive lives, and, and to, to make a difference in our community on a positive sense, not a negative sense. So really, we're, our market, if you will, is producing the best educated children we can produce in every single school, which is really a, a tall calling to begin with. 
uh, we have some fantastic teachers in, in our school system uh, and they have a, a lot to deal with on a daily basis and so we got to do everything we can to make sure they're getting all the help that they can get to do their job to the, the very, very best. And once again, we are there to educate our children, the politics inside the school. You know, that's one thing they told me. It says, Pastor Joe, when you enter this arena, your life's going to be an open book. And I was like, well, listen, my life's an open book right now. In my profession as a pastor, I'm held to a different level anyway. So that's all well and good. Um, but I, I just do not agree with, with the politics in the school. If you know, I, I just not in favor of it. Let's I, focus I, on our, our children. young people are definitely our future, and if we want to skimp on our future, uh, then that means we skimp on our children. And, and I don't believe majority of adults in positions believe that. I, I believe they they know that our best asset is our children. Absolutely. They are tomorrow. They're my so most precious asset. So we have to take care asset. of them today. I can tell you that my children are my most precious asset. Uh, and we invest quite a lot in our children, and I expect a lot from my children. I expect, uh, you know, them to be polite, well-mannered, to conduct themselves, you know, very well, and, and I expect that from them, and, and we strive to make that happen as well. Uh, I love them dearly, and uh, they're precious to me, so in our children inside the public school, whoever the children are, are there, uh, really, you are entrusted with someone's most precious commodity. Absolutely. So August 28th is the primary coming up. That's correct. You get the last word. Tell everybody why they should vote for Joe Santarelli for School Board District 5. Well, I would like to go in there once again, a visionary leader that wants to help make the changes that need to happen to put together the best system that functions well for the end product, which is our children, to walk out being the best educated they can be. And I would love to see that happen. I know there's a lot of different things that go on the school board, but if the end product is our children, and that's what we're in the business of, is producing well-educated children, then we need to do the very, very best we can and help design and tailor within the mandates that we have to make that possible, that we are doing our very best, giving you know, a top-level service at the best price to help our children get to the next level whatever that may be. If they go into trades, that's great. If they go to college, they need to be prepared for that. If they choose not to go to school, it doesn't matter, but they need to be educated and to know how to function society well. Well, that's enough time we have, and thank you for watching On Point. Again, I am the host, Richard Sanvenero, and thank you, Mr. Joe Santarelli, for coming and speaking with us. Candidate, for School Board District 5. We wish you well. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it.